So one pound of honey represents two million flower visits to make one pound of honey. And so one of those frames, a typical frame would say, holds six pounds of honey. So each frame is about 12 million flower visits. So it's an incredible amount of pollination that bees do. You know, people understand bees are important. They pollinate our crops that we eat, but they're also, you know, helping the plant world be successful through this cross-pollination, and they're helping feed the animals and the birds and things that people don't really think about. Hi, and welcome to The Big Schmear, the podcast celebrating Jewish food, culture, and history. I'm your host, Beth Schenker. One of my favorite things about the high holidays is all the wonderful food we eat at these celebrations. At our table, some dishes are traditional. We also have some family favorites, and sometimes we even try something new. One thing that never changes is having apples and challah dipped in honey, always at the ready. I have to admit I've had a fascination with beekeeping and honey for a long time, even though I'm totally freaked out when I see a bee, even the smallest one, headed in my direction. I did read a really fun novel a few years ago called The Bees that provided an amazing description of life in the hive from the perspective of a very friendly bee. And most recently, I started this memoir called Honey and Venom, which I'm also really enjoying. So, with apples and honey on my mind, I decided to invite Ted Dennard, founder, president, and head beekeeper of Savannah Bee Company, to be my guest today. As a heads up to all of you listening, you may want to have your plate of apples and honey nearby or a plate of honey cake with a cup of tea while you enjoy our conversation. Hi, Ted, and welcome to The Big Schmear. Hi, and thank you for having me. My pleasure. I thought maybe we'd start at what I'm thinking is the beginning of this story. So for those of us that are even a little intimidated about bees buzzing around and bee stings maybe not so far behind... Can you tell me what it was about bees and making honey that got you started as a beekeeper? I was around 14 years old and an old gentleman beekeeper put bees on our property. And so when I was in the beehive pulling the frames out, those wooden frames with the honeycomb in it and holding it against the sun, and you could see the different colors of the honey that are inside. So the different flower species will produce a different color honey and a different tasting honey. And and that fascinated me and made me, I was terrified of being stung and was suited up head to toe. Uh, But the honey is what really hooked me in the beginning. And then as you, as I grew and learned more about bees, then I became more and more, you can't help but become enthralled and fascinated with honeybees because they're just, they're amazing. Um, and then eventually you get, you get, you don't get afraid of the stings anymore. So it comes with it. Yeah, I find that hard to believe on certain levels, but I do understand the concept of that. It, <laughs> I did too. <laughs> so if you had to pick a favorite thing, what is it about beekeeping now that is your favorite thing to do? What about it do you still just really love that that's the passion of that? So I would think that primarily I like teaching. So I kind of like, it's like turning somebody on to bees. That is so fun for me. And, um, and so I don't, you know, do that every day, but 
I, that opportunity arises, I love that. So that really is my favorite, just bragging and, and about bees because they're, they're so easy to do. But me personally, going into beehives, I love the, it's not the honey as much. It is the, I, I like seeing them, watching them, like they do these little dances to communicate with one another. They're all female workers in there. And it's, they're, it's really just the bees. Even just watching them come and go is, is therapeutic, I think. So here's a really silly question. I mean, obviously you would recognize the queen, but are there other bees that you, can you recognize other bees? So <laughs> that's, a, that's a very good question. So there, you could say there's three casts or whatever, but there's a one queen and up to 80,000 worker bees, Whoa. all female. And then you have a few drones, maybe a few hundred, um, up to maybe a thousand or so drones that are big and fat, and they are very easy to distinguish. So, yeah, it's not hard. After It, it takes some time. The queen is really hard to pick out because she is born a worker bee, and sort of like Cinderella, she has fed this royal jelly that turns her into a queen. So she's got the same head, same thorax, but just a longer abdomen than the worker bees. Isn't there a lot of, maybe politics isn't the right word, but going on in that hive amongst the bees, like aren't they working, they have to work things out, right? They are incredible in sort of how they orchestrate this super organism that they that they are. And so the bees have differentiated duties based on how many days old they are. The worker bee in the busy season only lives about six weeks. So the first three weeks, they're a house bee. The second three weeks, they're a field bee. And then they're kind of worn out. Um, and the queen is laying like thousands of eggs. She can a day that keeps the population stable or to increase it or to decrease it, she can lay less. So there's all kinds of stuff going on yes, from feeding the larva to Banning the hive and ripening the honey. I mean, they're foraging, telling the other bees where to go to find the flowers. There's a waggle dance they do that communicates the direction that they need to go to find this tree, this flowering tree or whatever it is where the nectar or pollen is. So it's it, it, it's a lot going on. Wow, that is just so amazing. And so the hive is, so here's a really basic question. So I'm thinking about the wooden frames that I've seen. And so is each yeah. wooden frame a hive or is that whole huge box where all these frames are in, is that the hive? That's another good question. So the box, so when you're driving along the road, typically when you see a beehive, there's a stack of white boxes. Right. Um, they could be any color. And they could be one box high or you could have six of them stacked on top of each other. So that is the entire colony, the hive. So the hive is the, you know, you could call it the structure. And and so the colony, the, the beehive with all the bees in it, is there's one queen and however many workers, usually between 40 and 80,000, that are living in there, you know, just doing what they do. And so in, in each one of those boxes, there are 10 frames typically. And they are hanging down, and and they build the honeycomb in that frame. So a, a lot of people will say call the 
honeycomb, the hive, but I mean, it's, it's really this beeswax, you know, hexagonal matrix that they, they do. And they use that for the, um, everything to store the, the honey and the pollen and for raising the young. Um, they even use it for communication. They send little signals through it. And it's really amazing. And so you touched on this a little when you were talking about when you first became familiar with honeybees when you were a young boy. And so you said, I think you said the colors can be different of the honey, but I'm also guessing that it, it can taste different right from the comb. Is that right? Absolutely. So we could walk out into, I have a little bee garden here on the side of our offices and we do some tours and so we could walk out there, lift the lid. You usually have a little smoker to calm them down a little bit and you pull a frame out. And you, you can just hold it up against the, the light, um, you know, the sky or the sun. And you can, so it shines through and you can see like, oh, there's, there's a dark honey over here and it's lighter over here. And you can just put your finger, just push it through the capping, the beeswax capping, and just taste it. And they are. So if they go to, you know, they can go to clover flowers or they can go to, you know, orange blossoms or, you know, buckwheat flowers or, I mean, there's a lots of different ones they can go to the interesting thing about the bees is that they have flower fidelity and what that means is they determine what the best source of nectar is and they're going to only go to that species to gather the nectar and they don't mix the nectar from different flower species in the same little cells oh that's what i was going to ask how would you keep it separate but the bees keep it separate they keep it separate. And so this has evolved in this beautiful symbiotic way with the flowering plant world because that flower fidelity ensures that the plant is going to get cross-pollinated. So the, it's not getting pollen from other plant species. It's only getting pollen from its own species. So it gets that genetic diversity from the cross-pollination because the bee only goes to the flowers of that one species. Wow. Pretty, that, pretty cool. It's very cool. So I'm picturing that box, probably white, and I'm also, so I see a jar of honey on my table. How do you, um, like how many bees or how many combs, I'm not even sure what the right question is, make up one jar of honey? So this is some crazy numbers right here. Glad you asked. (laughs) So there's all manner of ways of getting honey out. You could just squeeze it out of the comb, but let me tell you, that's a messy kind of inefficient way of doing it but it can be done that way typically you pull a frame out cut the wax cappings off of each side and you put it in a metal basket that's suspended in this stainless steel drum and the basket rotates around either by hand or you can have a motor it flings the honey out of the honeycomb against the inside of the drum and then that honey just runs down the walls of the drum and then out a little ticket into usually through a strainer and mm-hmm. into a, a bucket or a, um, you could go straight into a jar. So one pound of honey represents 2 million flower visits. Whoa. So the bees have visited 2 million flowers to make that just one pound of honey. And so one of those frames, a typical frame would say, hold six pounds of honey. So each frame is about 12 million flower visits. So it's an incredible amount of pollination that bees do. You know, people understand bees are important. They pollinate our, you know, the crops that we eat, but they're also, you know, helping the plant world be successful through this, 
you know, cross-pollination, and they're helping feed the animals and the birds and things that people don't really, you know, think about. Right. So every beehive each year will visit over 500 million flowers. I, I can't so, even wrap my head around that. That's like I a know. ridiculous it's number. <laughs> it isn't a ridiculous number. So that little beehive made up of all these little girls that are little engines that, that could <laughs> are pollinating, you know, over half a billion flowers. And it's like a little eco fact. They're doing such an amazing feat. And it's just, it's incredible. And, well, no, and inspirational too. Yeah. And no wonder they burn out. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Poor thing. But, yeah. the, but so the organism is really the totality of all of them. So, so you'll have some, you know, you could think of it like organs in the body. So some are doing this function, some are doing this function, some are doing that function. And just like we lose cells and replace them all the time, so do the bees. You know, huh. They lose bees that would replace them all the time. And, um, so they're just a little functioning organism that's just amazing. Jeez. Um, it's really amazing. And they do it like one little thing at a time, right? Like, and they're just focused. They work hard. And through all that, like, razor focus, really, they are able to really help the world keep going around, in my mind. So let's talk about that maybe just a little bit more. You just hit on, like, there is, it's, there seems to be more awareness about the importance of honeybees, and you read about the not extinction, but the disappearance of lots of honeybees all over the world. Right. And so maybe you could say just a little bit more about why we really need to be paying attention to this. So you, if you look at all the species around the world, right, there's a, there's a lot. Um, but the bees are, I mean, they're one of those keystone species upon which so many other species depend. So if you think of it like a spider web, they'd be one of the big threads that run through it. So if you pull that one, it's going to affect so many other ones. They are, so they're very important, kind of as we, we were talking about, for the plant world, because they co-evolved together, mm-hmm. and they have, are, you know, this beautiful relationship, and so they're important for the plants. Uh, plants are super important for, for everything, from oxygen to to holding the soil back and preventing erosion to, you know, all of that stuff, feeding us. So it's important, right? And so you you would want bees because you like the planet. You want the, the plant world to be healthy. You want to be able to eat. And so without them, we would have a, a rapid change. So if you don't even love your bees, and I get it if you're afraid of them, but once you learn about them, you're like, wait a minute, that's, that's cool. I didn't know that. <laughs> um, then, you know, but if you, even if you don't love your bees, just for your own self-preservation and that of your children and their children, you want to have a healthy bee population on this planet. They really are uh, this kinda, huge linchpin, aren't they, to making everything they, work? They really are. Um, and then an interesting thing, honeybees lose their stinger when they sting you. So they don't want to because that is that they end up dying when that happens. So they really don't want to sting you. So you really typically, unless you're just messing with their hive, you're, the only way to get stung is to step on them or sit on them or squeeze them or something like that. 
They're confused with yellow jackets, which are the same size, but they're a wasp. Right. And those yellow jackets are the ones that live in the ground and come out and just sing and sing and sing over and over and over. And they're always in your coat and your whatever yes. at the pool and stuff <laughs> like that. So, and they're nasty. Um, <laughs> they are. They, yeah, over 90% of all things are those yellow jackets. Uh. And, and people don't differentiate between them and a honeybee. But honeybees, they're just cute. Fuzzy and they right. do good things. Yes. So one good thing, and maybe you could talk about this a little bit, is that my understanding is that honey is the one food that never expires. Is that true? I that is true. So honey does not ever, you know, it's not like wine that it tastes better you know, after years and years and years, but it is completely edible. Um yeah, it could be thousands of years old, and it and it's it's totally fine. And a big part of that is that it's it's sort of antimicrobial, so still bacteria, nothing can grow. It's just you know, it's you need to keep. The only thing you have to do is have a airtight container, so a jar or a can with a lid, because it's hygroscopic, so it pulls moisture from the air, and if it gets too much moisture in there then it will ferment and become mead, the alcoholic version. Oh. Um, which does get better with age. <laughs> <laughs> Note but, to self. Uh, Note to self here. <laughs> but it, so it's really, it's, it's an interesting, interesting substance. It's a great thing to work with. It's really fun and, you know, the different colors and smells. So we talked about so different color, different taste from between the different honey varieties. And then there is also a different sugar composition. So some honeys will have more fructose sugar. Some will be have more glucose sugars. Hmm. And the fructosey ones are softer, sweet, and they don't granulate as quickly. And they are more slowly absorbed into your system. The glucose-heavy ones are quick to granulate, which is a natural process. It doesn't mean the honey's bad or been adulterated or anything. And they go, you taste real candy sweet on your in the front of your mouth, and they're quick to go into your bloodstream. So there's a lot of variation in honey. Yeah, I was just thinking that as you were talking. It's like, wouldn't it be fun to do a honey tasting, all these different varieties, and just experience all that? Um, that's a fun project I'm going to think about. <laughs> it is. So uh, we have retail stores spread around. We we have a honey bar at all of our stores. So we'll have about 14 different types of honey that you can try and a oh. honeycomb try. And so and that we do with apples, by the way. And, um, <laughs> and it is, it's fun. So people really don't know. And then they get to, to try them side by side, back to back. And they are like, Wow, honey is different. I really didn't know that. So it's a it's a good, fun. It's a fun experience. Yeah. So I'm going to talk to you more about your store in a second, but I wanted to make a comment about for my listeners, um, for those who keep kosher, that the reason honey is kosher is because it's not an actual secretion of the bee. The bee functions only as a carrier and facilitator. So the one thing that you need to be aware of is that sometimes and not in the case of Savannah honey, but sometimes special flavorings are added to that jar of honey that you have, and those extras are the things that might not be kosher. So, of course, the bottom line always is 
to check the label carefully to verify that the product is 100% pure honey with no added flavors, and then you're good to go. It's kosher. So speaking of tastings, and if we were thinking about the products that are in your store, are there certain flavors of honey that you think work better with, ooh, but there's so many apples, so many different kinds of apples. I wondered if you had like a pairing suggestion. That's a good question. (laughs) And I think the answer is going to really, so ultimately it's personal opinion. I have my opinions about what are the best honeys that I think are in the world, really. But other people don't necessarily think think the same thing and there's so many different types of apples like right yeah so, so some tart ones might be better with some types of honey versus some of the sweeter apples might be better with it you know and i thought so i i don't know <laughs> and i think the answer would be as as varied as apples and people's taste buds yeah um, yeah that's a fair answer for sure thank you uh, <laughs> okay so I'm thinking back, you're 14, you're, you know, your first experience of bees, and then you become an adult, and you're really hooked into this whole beekeeping thing. And so I'm guessing there's, there's some other steps either going on in your mind, but also in terms of business, from keeping bees to opening a store, and then in your case, opening more stores. So how did all that transpire? It's so, I've, I've never really known I never knew what I was going to do in life. I just kept waiting for <laughs> some signal, some sign. Where's my career? And so, but I was in the Peace Corps. I graduated with a bachelor's degree in, in religion, uh, which really like philosophy and studying just all kinds of different thoughts. But then I went to the Peace Corps, and they wanted me to teach beekeeping in Jamaica. So I lived in Jamaica for two years teaching beekeeping, working with beekeepers, and then ended up. I was about 30 years old wondering why I didn't have a career and why I hadn't studied something practical and why <laughs> my dad not <laughs> told me to just do something practical. He's like, do what you love, son. Don't do anything for money. And I was like, that's the worst advice ever. <laughs> Who would have given their son that? And um, ultimately he was proven right. But um, I doubted it for sure for, for a couple of dark years. But I always had bees, and I had these five hives of bees, and I started selling a few bottles of honey just here and there to stores that would call me and say, I heard you had honey. I'd like to put some in my store. And so that's how it started, and it grew by word of mouth really across the country, which is cool, over the course of three years. So and it was in 2002 that I officially started the company, and it's been growing ever so we were selling to stores like a wholesale sure you know price store that then turns around and sells it and that's how we we still do that and then we opened our first retail store in 2008 which is of course the worst time to open retail (laughs) but it wasn't for us and we did so well that we opened three more real quickly (laughs) in savannah and in charleston and loved it, and it helped us to continue to grow in that downturn. And we now have 14 of them, and then we wholesale it, and we have a you know, website, too. So it's grown a whole lot, you know, and it's gone from my kitchen to, to this, what it is. When I look back, it is incredible to see how it's, how it's come, really. I mean, it's, 
It's amazing. It's, it makes, I'm happy, and I feel, I was saying this week, I mean, it's not just that I have a viable income kind of thing, but, but we get to do really good stuff, and it's given me a purpose in life. You know, that's the <laughs> yeah, most important thing. It, it is, actually. You know, the, yeah, it's to feel like I'm doing something that's good. And, and um, so bees have given me that. And then in return, I feel like, you know, I just, it's not like it's conscious necessarily, but I want to give that back to them and try and help them out. And so that's what we do a lot is we try and raise awareness and teach people about bees. And then you, people love them. And then I think if you love something, you'll protect it. Yes, exactly. And the more you, yeah, the more you learn about it, the more you get connected to what those issues are, which makes total sense. If people wanted to find out more about your products, do you want to just give your website or best information? Because, you know, sometimes, well, right now during the pandemic, not always easy to go to your store, even if it's in your town and right. more and more difficult to go to your store if it's not in your town. So, uh, <laughs> exactly. so um, how, how do people find out more about the kinds of, and you do, you do sell more than, than honey as well. We sell a tremendous amount. It's all sort of bee related stuff, honey. Um, we have this throat spray that was made. Bees do make more than honey, but first I'll answer the question. So you, you, it's Savannah bee. Dot com. So if you go to savannabee.com, that's our website, and that's an easy place to get our stuff. Perfect. Uh, we have an Amazon site, too, I think. Oh. So, but yeah, Savannah Bee, and you can find all kinds of stuff, all honey gifts, really. Our stuff makes good gifts because we dress it up, and we feel like honey should be beautiful and done right. And, you know, two million flowers went into that bottle, or, or, yeah. or more than that, if it's a big one. And so... <laughs> It's good. So that's what we do that. But we also, again, through this story of spreading awareness, the bees make something called propolis, which is uh, it's a sticky substance like a resin they collect, and they seal up every crack in the hive. But it, it is anti-fungal, antibacterial, and antiviral. We make a throat spray out of that stuff, which it's great for this season, you know, where you're worried about virus getting on your throat. I feel like it's like barbed wire to keep, wow. keep the virus at bay. But it boosts you, so it, it propose will boost the human in, immune system. It's got all these flavonoids and stuff in it and uh, you know, polyphenols. I don't, I, I don't get all the chemistry behind it, but I know that it boosts your immune system. It's good stuff. And it's <laughs> good for like, yeah, numbing a sore throat and stuff. Um, but yeah, all kinds of, you'd be surprised it's array of things that you can that are be related and then the other question i want to ask you is if some of my listeners are intrigued about beekeeping what are some first steps of things that uh, practical things that they might be able to do to explore that what i discovered is that through reading and through practice so the best thing is to just get a, a bee book and, or a bee journal. There's these monthlies that, that are, there's a few of them out there. Bee culture is one of them. And and the American Bee Journal is another one. But you, you read, and that's your academic thing. You practice beekeeping, and those two together are really what are going to advance that little beekeeping experience. And when you join the bee club, you typically will meet a beekeeper that becomes your mentor, and they answer all those initial questions of like, what do I do now? Or what's this? And you could send a picture 
is it bad? And, you know, <laughs> so that happened. Well, it's great. That sounds like a really great way to start down the path if that's a path you're interested in, in following. So I thank you for that. I thank you for taking time to talk about all this. I think, I think it will have people have this other awareness about what it took to get that jar of honey on their table, and maybe you'll enjoy it just that much more, but also be thinking about all the work those bees did to get that honey on your table. So I, I really appreciate all this. It's been great fun talking with you. Well, this, it's been fun for me, too. So before, I'm going to let me leave you with this. I was just looking like Rosh Hashanah and honey and found something that would, you know, that, you know, you're going to, you know, eat it because, you know, you want a sweet and fruitful year, right? Right, um, right. But they were saying like, where did that come from? And, and they were saying that bees, one of the, there's, there's a few things, but one of the interesting ones that ties back to your initial comment about being afraid, but loving the honey is that bees have that, you know, you have the sting, but you have the sweet gift and that it was, it was, it was like a stern but merciful creator that bees have that kind of, you know, that both sides, mm. of, you know, fear, but also out of benevolence. And that that's one reason why bees, I wouldn't hope that sacred as they were, but, you know, are, are important. Oh, what a great thought to end. I love that. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Sure. Beth, thank you so much. It's, that's a lot of fun talking to you. Oh, absolutely. I'm sending a shout-out to my good friend, Chef Laura Frankel, for providing a sweet tip to check out Savannah Bee Company. My recording and mix engineer is Steve Robinson. The Big Schmear theme music is performed by Cavatino Duo from their CD entitled Sephardic Journey on the CD record label. If you like The Big Schmear, please don't forget to subscribe to my podcast, follow my Instagram account at BethTheJewishFoodie, and write a review or share a like on my Facebook group page. And please do tell your friends to listen. It's the best way for my podcast to continue to grow. If you have comments or questions I'd love to hear from you, please email me at beth at thebigschmear.com. And be sure to check out my website, thebigschmear.com, to find recipes shared by my guests. I'm Beth Schenker, the host of The Big Schmear. Thank you for listening. Wishing you a sweet and happy new year.